Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 46. Today in the show, we're diving deep into the topic of shed hunting. And joining us is Michael Turbyfill and Dan Perez of Whitetail Properties. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. And it's early March, and that means one thing for whitetail addicts like you and me, shed hunting. And as some of you know, this coming weekend, March 7th, is the Shed Rally, which is a pretty cool event that many of us are going to be participating in and that we'll talk about a little bit more here in a couple minutes. But that said, today I want to talk shed hunting tips and tactics to make sure that we're all ready to find plenty of antlers this weekend and in the weeks beyond. But Dan, I don't know about you, but I'm a little worried about my shed hunting plans coming up this weekend because we are just getting clobbered with snow. What's uh, what's the deal over by you? Huge announcement: Shed Rally has been canceled because I <laughs> <laughs> I said so. Man, uh, we got we got about eight inches of snow. Like out in my front yard and backyard, we got probably five, which means that there's probably eight to ten in the timber still. Um, it's it's not going to warm up fast enough for that snow to melt, and uh, I think it's going to be until next week. Like next weekend is going to be prime shed hunting, except I'll be in a wedding in Chicago. You get some horrible wedding plans. Like, isn't <sighs> didn't your brother? Isn't that right? Isn't your brother getting married in November this coming year? Yeah. Let's not talk about it, Mark. I want to stay positive for this okay. this episode. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll try to stay positive. But yeah, that's a bummer, man. I tell you what, I've been getting my shed hunting plans all screwed up too. I was supposed to go to Ohio last weekend, but they got a bunch of snow, so we pushed it to this weekend. And now today, there's no snow right there at my Ohio lease. Today they have a winter storm warning. They're supposed to get potentially seven to twelve inches. And so me and my you know my lease partner Josh and my buddy Corey and another friend Andy were all supposed to go down there this weekend, and like this is the most excited I've been about a shed hunting trip because of what you know you, you know all the stuff that's going on yep. down in my Ohio, Ohio property. I thought that was all going to happen here in the next couple of days, and now I don't know. This is we're I'm just crossing all my fingers and toes and hoping that this storm kind of diverts and um, maybe stays rain or freezing sleet and stuff like that, which is a possibility because it seems to be right on the edge of the snow rain line so i don't know but i really want to go find some bone yeah me too um yeah me too i tell you someone you know all these people on the news they're saying oh global warming global warming might i might start a fist fight with the next person who says that (laughs) because the last two winters have been extremely cold lots of snow and uh I'd almost believe somebody if they told me there was going to be another ice age. Yeah, the way things have been going the last couple of years, I can't blame you for thinking that. It's been yeah. brutal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought we got away with a nice easy winter here up until February. And then when, right. at least for me, here in Michigan and Ohio, once February hit, it just got nasty. Yeah, so. but I'm I'm ready to put the boots on the ground, man. It's like the the shed season for me kind of symbolizes – a new beginning kind of like get out, 
get get out, you know, start moving around again, start making those plans for the summer, you know, think about where you're going to put your mineral stations and your shed hunting. And then from there, we know what, what happens from there, you know, just we fall back in that circle again. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely the thing that, you know, after the hunting season ends, this is the next big thing that I'm pretty pumped about. And I'm, uh, gosh, I'm just ready to get going. I really want right. to get out there you know, Ohio, maybe this weekend. And then if Ohio does happen this weekend, I'm supposed to go to Iowa next weekend right? Uh, into your neck of the woods. I know you're going to be busy, you know, getting all fancied up and partying for the wedding, but I'll be out there walking, hopefully, if this all works out. But mm-hmm. uh, it's an exciting time of year. And I'm excited because our guests today are going to be talking to us all about this, which is... Um, which is going to be pretty great. We're going to be talking to Dan Perez and Michael Turbifil from Whitetail Properties. And they're going to share with us some pretty great insight into shed hunting and the shed rally, since they're the guys who um, who are putting that all that whole thing on. So, I don't know. Are you uh, excited to chat with, uh, with these guys? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think, um, you know, as far as this whole season is concerned, I'm probably more excited that you're not going to be able to make it down and shed hunt with me this year. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll probably hold that over your head for the rest of rest of your life. Now, is that because I found the biggest shed, or because you had to rescue me out of uh, icy river when I fell through the ice? Well, you know, <laughs> I think what what a real man would have done in a situation like that was okay. I saved your life, kind of. <laughs> I kind of saved your life. I mean, you um, were there. I was there after I dragged myself out of the hole in the ice. So right, I was. You saved my life. Right. I was ready to. You know, this is going to sound weird, but I was ready to follow standard um, <laughs> you don't, procedure. You don't need to say this, Dan. <laughs> no, I, but but you have to. I mean, if you fall through the ice, survival, you know, survival class says, hey, you got to get naked, you got to get in a sleeping bag, and you got to use your body temperature to warm up the, the person who fell through the ice. I was I was willing to do that for you, Mark. And, and uh, you're like, no, man, I'm fine. You know, and then you you go ahead and find the biggest shed on on the property, and instead of saying Dan, thank you, here it is. It was just it. you know, it was just weird. I, I I felt you know there was just water up to my ankles, and all of a sudden you're taking off your shirt. I'm like, what are you doing, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> it was just a little over aggressive. <laughs> it was just my socks were wet. I wasn't gonna die of hypothermia. No, actually, it was as you know, people who heard about this story last time, I was actually up to my neck, so that was pretty. It was pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. Um, you stuffed it out, and you should, you walked the rest of that evening. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a good thing we were walking. Like, and you go up and down hills and walking all over the place because I definitely would have been not in good shape if we were just sitting somewhere. But because I was walking, it didn't it didn't bother me too much. But right. but yeah. Now we're gonna get Dan and Michael here on the line just a quick second. But before we do that, I want to make a brief announcement about something we talked about last week, Dan. Yes. And that's the fact that the brand new redesigned, rebranded wiredtohunt.com has launched. Have you seen it? It it looks spectacular. I do like it. Thank you, sir. It's been like a, the logo. Thanks, man. It's uh, you know, as you've seen, very different, but it's been a big project trying to work on you know, updating the site and the look and the brand um, to continue representing the next generation of deer hunters, which is what we're all about. So we had to make sure that uh, the actual site and everything, you know, looked that part too. So I've been working on this since like October of last year and um, it's finally, it's finally reality. So I'm really excited about it. So if you haven't been to the website recently, definitely check out wiredtohunt.com. 
and uh, you'll see it's, it's a lot easier to navigate, a lot easier to find all the content that you want. Um, it's also a big focus was taking, you know, helping new people who are coming to the site, you know, learn about what Wired Hunt is and how to connect with us. So hopefully all those things, uh, you know, work out the way we're hoping they will. And also, Dan, we've shipped out our first brand new Wired Hunt hat to a listener. And uh, you'll be getting yours soon, too. So we'll have to, um, once the shirts and hats are going to be available on the website for sale here in just a couple days. So when that happens, I'll make sure to let everyone know, too. Well, I, I hope that guy, whoever you sent it to, gets lost in the mail. So I get <laughs> mine first. Well, I, I don't know what he's going to think about that. but <laughs> yeah. Well, I really don't care what he thinks about it. I know. I know, Dan. You're focused on just Me. just you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, now that we've got that settled, <laughs> I think uh, I think we should start talking sheds. What about you? Let's do it. All right, let's get the guys on the line. All right, here with us on the line is Dan and Michael from Whitetail Properties. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Well, thanks for having us. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, we're, we are th- thrilled to have you guys on the line. And uh, we were just talking before getting you guys on here um, that both me and... Dan, or otherwise known as Dallas, um, we're both pretty excited to get out in the woods here pretty soon. Um, but before we start talking shed hunting, you know, for those in our you know in our listener group who maybe aren't familiar with Whitetail Properties or the two of you, could could you guys give us a little bit of background into who you are, what you do, and then maybe a little bit about Whitetail Properties? And maybe Dan, could you kick us off? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm as you, as, as you mentioned, Dan Perez. I'm the broker and the CEO of the real estate uh, part of our business. Our, our business has, uh, has two parts, uh, production upstairs um, that drives our real estate business. The production part of our business is the television show and, and, and many other levels of media. And the real estate, our, our business, it, it revolves around the white-tailed deer. That's, that is our niche. We, we presently have a footprint of uh, 21 states. Uh, we're, we're in all the big buck states. And uh, we, we have presently, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 138 agents, which are not typical agents. Each, each one of these guys is, uh, is a land specialist. They, they think, they breathe, they eat, and they plant deer. That's what they do. They grow deer. And so that's, in a nutshell, that's who we are. Awesome. And then, Michael, what, what are, what's your role with Whitetail Properties? So, uh, guys, I handle marketing communications for Whitetail Properties, and obviously with, a, with what we consider a nationwide real estate company, uh, we need a, a marketing arm that can help uh, drive the bus, so to speak, and uh, everything we do in our office supports our agents around the country and makes it easier on them to reach farmers, reach landowners, and connect them with buyers for hunting, ranch, and farm properties. And so, uh, specifically, I do anything from some of our printed marketing materials like print ads and brochures to I manage our social media accounts, uh, which is kind of more of a, a, a segue into Shed Rally and, and kind of our event there and what we're doing on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Yeah, so so let's let's go right there with Shed Rally. You know, we, we mentioned very briefly at the beginning that the Shed Rally is coming up this weekend, March 7th, I believe it is. Um, you know, I'm familiar with it, and Dallas is, but for, for those who maybe aren't familiar with Shed Rally, can you just tell us, you know, what is the Shed Rally? Well, I think uh, to understand Shed Rally, you got to understand a little bit more about what we're about in this, this building. And, and my boss, Paul, who's not on the line with us, his philosophy is if it's not cool, we don't do it. And that's kind of how we approach marketing at Whitetail Properties. It's different for a real estate company. 
Uh, you don't think about real estate companies as being really, really cool. Well, we, we, we try to be, even if, even if people would disagree. So uh, what's, what's really neat about that is we have so many talented people that work here from video producers to graphic designers, um, and then obviously our land team around the country. Well, when, when you're a guy like me and you, you, you have so many talented people in a building around you, it's kind of fun because you can just dream about cool stuff to do that reaches people. And uh, I was laying in bed one night, and, and, and I'm from the South, and, and we don't shed hunt a lot in the South. But I'm just blown away in the Midwest by the culture around deer hunting. And, and a place like Pittsfield, where we're headquartered, this, this town eats and, 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 and drinks deer hunting. And it's all people think about. And, and it's a year-round thing out here in the Midwest, planting food plots, row crops, uh, you know, hinge cutting, all the things that Dan does on his farm. Uh, people eat it up out here. And, and I've just been blown away by the culture and the whole shed hunting thing. And I was laying in bed one night and I was like, you know, how can we connect the dots with shed hunting and this this culture and the fact that social media now gives us a way to to connect everybody at a moment's notice? I mean, people are talking about the Kardashians and stuff online. Why are we not talking about our, our hunting and outdoor lifestyle online like that? It's way cooler than all this stuff that trends on Twitter every single day. You know what I'm saying? So to true. Me, and uh, so, so I came to work and I said, guys, what do you guys, what do you guys think about this idea? And from the, from day one, we called it Shed Rally. I don't know why. We just, we like the name. Uh, it kind of stuck. And, and after last year's Shed Rally, we really feel like it resonated with people. And, and the whole concept is, you know, we're a land company and we want to show people as many ways as possible that there, that there's a lot of ways to enjoy your land and the national, the natural resources that the land provides. And obviously, social media lets lets us connect online, and lets and, and truly, America can shed hunt together using the the shed rally hashtag. And so that was the whole concept. And for us, we wanted to reach people that may otherwise never ever interact with whitetail properties, whether it's it's women and kids that don't watch Dan host our show on the the Sportsman Channel whether uh, you're not seeing our print ads with the big deer, you've never talked to a land specialist. If you're a Facebook user or you, you're on Instagram a lot and you see people talking about Shed Rally, you may find us at Whitetail Properties. You may, you may be able to, to see the things that we're doing through the Shed Rally. And, uh, again, there's a contest element to it for people that don't know. You can win prizes by participating, but really it's, it's, it's not about prizes. Shed Rally is about family, camaraderie, education, getting out walking on your land for exercise, being with your friends and family, and, and just giving everybody another reason to get outside and enjoy the whitetail lifestyle. It's March. You know, who's thinking about whitetails in March? So, you know, we, we are, we're really excited about Shed Rally. It went over really, really well last year. Um, I, I can tell you that to date, uh, for people that don't know, you know, we've produced a video series this spring uh, with different tips and tactics for shed hunting, but also things to do with your antlers. And uh, to date this year, uh, when we announced Shed Rally on February 2nd, the, the Shed Rally is coming up on Saturday on March 7th, and we announced it on February 2nd. And, and to date, this year's videos have been viewed over 300,000 times online. Wow. So it's really resonating with people. They're totally getting Shed Rally, what it's about. Everybody's proud of their outdoor lifestyle. And for us, it's just been, been a home run working with our partners and and, and getting people talking about the shed rally and their lifestyle. So I'm sorry for being long-winded, but it gets me excited 
uh, to talk about it. No, that's awesome. I, uh, I can see why you'd be excited. It's been a really cool idea. I'm so glad that you guys, you know, had this idea and came out with it last year because really there's not a whole lot of people or organizations that had the muscle to put something like this together and get it out there in front of people. And, and I think what's interesting about Shed Rally is it'd be a pretty lame idea if nobody participated with it, if four people did it. <laughs> but since you guys can get out the, can get the word out to a lot of people, you know, it, it has the, the potential to be such a neat event to be a part of. And, and it was last year. And I'm sure it's going to be this year. Um, and I think it's so cool because like you said, you can have this camaraderie aspect to shed hunting that might not be the case if it's just you and a friend who are in, you know, Southern Iowa by yourselves. And it's, I mean, obviously that's a blast to go out there and shed hunt, but there's something to be said about being able to find that big shed and then show all your buddies or now hundreds of your buddies that are, you know, buddies by, you know, virtual media. Um, so that's pretty cool. I've got a lot of friends, myself included, who just love to ogle over big sheds. And shed rally is a really cool way to do that because I can now, you know, I know on Saturday I'm going to be on Instagram and I'm going to be on Twitter and I'm going to be on Facebook and I'm going to be searching for the shed rally hashtag. And for, for those of you who aren't familiar with what a hashtag is, that's the number sign. So you take the number sign and then you type shed rally after it. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you search for that within whatever that program search platform is. And it'll show anyone talking about that topic. A hashtag is a way to label essentially a conversation with a topic. So, you know, I can go now and I can see everybody else who's out there um, participating in the shed rally, who's out there shed hunting. I can see their pictures of their antlers or whatever crazy things they're doing out there. I think that's pretty cool. And I'm excited to be able to share hopefully some pictures from my shed hunting trip this weekend too. So I'm curious, you know, just before the two of you guys got in the line, I was talking to Dallas about my plans and I'm supposed to be heading down to Southern Ohio to go shed hunting this weekend, um, on my lease down there, but there's potential there's gonna be a big snowstorm, but assuming that the snow is not too bad, I'm gonna be heading down there. Um, for you guys, what are your shed hunting plans for the shed rally? Dan, do you have something planned? Yeah, I've got the whole family and then some. Uh, we're going to gather at my farm at, uh, I think, 8 in the morning we're going to start this thing. I think we'll actually be putting feet on the ground. I mean, it's important to me to spend some time uh, kind of kind of describing the rules of the shed hunt because when you've got that many people uh, spread across 865 acres, I don't want to lose any of them, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I, I, I want to do it in an organized way where we could comb it uh, as effectively as possible with the number of people that we have. But I've got uh, my, my whole family uh, is going to be out there looking for sheds. The grandkids, which is a is a big thing, really big thing for me to have the grandkids out there because when they're looking for them sheds, they, they're no longer thinking about their, their cell phones. These little tiny kids with cell phones and all kinds of electronic hand gadgets to play on and all that, and it does my heart good when they're actually wandering through the woods looking for antlers. And what is so cool about that is, is that, uh, that, uh, that little predator that, that was born in them comes out when they're in the woods. You know what I mean? If uh, A lot of people don't even realize how much they love the outdoors until they get until they're actually in the outdoors, if, if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of city people that, that never step foot and, and actually have some some different views, perspectives on, on the savageness of hunting. Uh, however, that, that predator is in each one of them. They just have never experienced it. They never have been out there because that's, that's, that's what we do. We, we hunt and we, we gather and, and, uh, and we, we, we kill game and eat game, you know. But back to the antlers. 
the the antlers what is so neat is and i've been hunting antlers my entire life and it does not matter if it's a giant shed that's laying in the grass or a little bitty one when i see it uh when i'm within a few feet of it and i spot it i actually get excited you know i i that 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 kid is is, it just jumps out again I, i just it could be the smallest antler and uh and i'll feel just as good about finding it now the difference might be is the the larger antler of course that might give me some some information that i may need uh in in harvesting that animal later later in the season or later in the year um but the small antler is, is a treasure they're all treasures it's a lot of fun family loves it kids love it we uh we what well, we the plan it, it's like this with us and everybody has a different plan uh, I'm not sure if it, if it was Michael that shared a video with me. Yeah, I think so. Where where one of the guys uh, had a bet and he jumped into a frozen ice cold pond because he lost <laughs> the bet, and that was part of the shed rally for those guys. We won't be doing anything like that. What we will be doing <laughs> is <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna uh, set out in the morning for the antlers, looking for antlers. We'll gather back about uh, maybe 12 o'clock. Uh, and we'll have we'll have lunch, uh, something hot, and, and we'll all gather around and look at the sheds that we have, compare them, talk about them, talk about what what else we've seen out in the woods. It'll be a, it, it'll be a, a good time, and then we'll, then we'll take back out. And then at the end of the day, we're going to have, although there's prizes on a much larger level that are being offered by Whitetail Property. Uh, on my farm, we'll have uh, some awards at the end of the day, and they'll they'll be. Uh, most antlers, most antlers found will win an, an award. Uh, the largest antler will win an, an award, and the smallest antler will win an award. Uh, smallest antler is important because I've seen guys come in with a single spike that was two inches. <laughs> now, it took much more to find that than it would a large antler, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I scan a field or I scan, a, um, I scan the woods, and... In my mind, if it doesn't really jump out sometimes, well, then I didn't miss much. You know what I mean? But but uh, I like it when, when it seems like the little guys always find the little antlers. I don't know why that is, but maybe it's because they're closer to the ground and they see them real clearly. The, the, <laughs> the kids always find the little ones, so it, it's, it's cool. It'll be fun for everybody. We're, we're really excited about it, looking forward to it. That's awesome. That sounds like that's going to be a lot of fun. I uh, yeah. I can't claim that me and my friends have got prizes lined up ourselves for our shed hunting plans on Saturday, but I do know that whoever finds the biggest antler will probably get a beer on me. So that uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll have that going yeah. at least down by us. Now we uh, don't need in when Mark when Mark shed hunts, he doesn't need an excuse to fall through the ice. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> we were just talking about this uh, last year. Me and Dallas were shed hunting together, and I actually fell through a frozen river. So, Ooh. yeah. So we uh, I won't be voluntarily participating in anything <laughs> like that either. <laughs> now, um, that all said. I'm curious. You, you kind of mentioned a few of these things, Dan, um, but I kind of want to hear like your your pitch like your tight sales pitch on this for someone out there listening who's a serious deer hunter but for whatever reason he just hasn't gotten to shed hunting and we, we've kind of walked around the edges of this but could you give me like your your sales pitch to this guy you know why should he go shed hunting in like 30 seconds or a minute what's your really quick sales pitch on that yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to share why why I go, and, and maybe maybe that might uh, encourage some people because I, I love I, I lo- here's here's me, and and if if you're if you're anything like me, you you love um, 
everything that has to do with land. That's why I'm in the land business. I, I, I love the grass. I love the leaves. I love the water. I love the trees. I love every aspect of nature. And I just love to be out in it walking. And, and if I find an antler, that's, that's great. That's the icing on the cake. But if I don't, I had, a, I had a, a wonderful day, a wonderful time in God's country. And if I'm able to share that with friends and family, that's even huge for me. You know, that's, that's, that's even bigger than the icing of the cake. So that's, that's a quick 30-second on why you should consider doing it. That's awesome. That's a really good point. And I'll, I guess I'll add in a couple more. That's, that's the most important stuff about getting out there, but also from a practical standpoint, um, and I'm sure you might be able to speak more to this too, Dan. Um, but you know, from my perspective, I think shed hunting does a lot for you from an actual strategy standpoint, because you can tell, okay, which bucks made it through to the new year. That's going to formulate. It's going to help you formulate a strategy that's going to, you know, eventually be applied during the hunting season. Uh, where you find these sheds can help you learn something about some of these particular bucks too. So if you find the big eight sheds deep in this cedar thicket, you can start realizing, hey, this might be one of his bedding areas. That's something you can apply in the future. Um, so those are two things from a practical standpoint that I think everyone should keep in mind too when they go shed hunting. This isn't just about you know getting an antler that you can put on your you know on your mantelpiece. These are things that can actually be applied to developing a strategy, um, you know, months from now. So I know that I'm gonna be keeping that in mind this weekend um, down in Ohio because I really want to know a couple of these bucks if they survived. Um, and I actually had a situation where I hit a deer last year on this property, wasn't able to recover him, and I'm, I'm very hopeful that I'll find his sheds um, and, and be able to confirm if he's alive. Um, but those are just a few of the reasons, you know, in addition to all the other great aspects of shed hunting that I think people people should keep in mind. So, Absolutely. So what do you think, you know, how many sheds do you think you've found, Dan? You mentioned you've been shed hunting, you've been hunting antlers your whole life. Do you keep track of that? No, I don't. I couldn't tell you how much I've found in my life, but I did have one year um, that I, I found 142 antlers. Wow! I know that that was a, that was a big, big year for me, um, and, and <laughs> it was partly two things. It was um, at that time I was walking a lot of properties, selling land as well, and and every every moment that I had that I could be in the woods looking for antlers, uh, I was doing that as well. So I, you know, I had that going for me. It's it's pretty cool when your when your job revolves around being in the outdoors you know so you, I, I have some opportunities a lot of people do not have as far as finding antlers but that was a big year that was a, that was a big year if you know I have no idea how many I've found in my life because I, I, I've been looking for them my whole life it just um, I found them everywhere and I'm, I'm originally from Florida and uh, and and like like here in the Midwest they get antlers are eaten very quickly in the south and, and in the Midwest, when I say the Midwest, there's parts of the Midwest that they, they don't, uh, maybe maybe there's more snow in, in uh, Minnesota, for example, and the squirrels can't get to the antlers as quickly, so they last longer. But uh, in the south, there's no snow, and there's a lot of, lot of rodents and a lot of, uh, lot of squirrels, um, so they, they're, they're eating very, very quickly. So you've you got to get out there very, you got to get out right away, you know. We're here, um, like we're waiting until... Well, this weekend, March seventh, I guess it'll be, and um, and we're going to get out. In some places, um, they're eating within a week of when they drop off a deer's head. Um, so, wow. it, uh, yeah, I wish I could tell you, yeah, six, six million twenty-five antlers. <laughs> I don't have any idea. <laughs> That's one hundred and forty, however many in a in a year. That's pretty incredible. I cannot yeah, claim one year. I yeah. cannot claim anything close to that. My my best is I think twelve. So <laughs> I've got a ways to go. <laughs> But what about you, Dallas? How's the, what's the most you've ever found? 
I think the most I've ever found in one year was I was also unemployed that year, so I had a lot of spare time, uh, and it just so happened to fall during uh, um, late February and, and March that I was uh, unemployed. So I think I found close to 30, 30 antlers. Nice. That's not yep. a bad year at all for the average guy. Yep. So you, you touched on this, Dan, a second ago um, yeah. about the timing of shed hunting and how it's important to get out there before, you know, antlers get start getting chewed on by squirrels and whatnot. Uh, but then there's also issues like snow that might keep you from going out there. What are your thoughts on the timing of shed hunting? When do you think is the best time to shed hunt and, or what are the considerations that we should keep in mind when choosing when, when to shed hunt? Yeah, that's a good question. T- timing is really, really important for a couple of reasons. One is you don't, you, you don't want to start so soon that you push these animals onto your neighbors where they drop their antlers next door rather than on the property that you're able to, to access, whether it's a lease or your own property. And, and so you've got to be careful there. So what, what I try to do is, um, is take a, my, either my, um, my hunt V or, um, or a gator and work the fields. In other words, do not, I try not to intrude into the timber until it's, it's pretty much, till I'm pretty close to when most of the deer have dropped their antlers. It's hard to put a, a, a date on when all of them have dropped their antlers because there's, there's animals right now that, believe it or not, are still trying to breed. It, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. I've seen fields before. I've looked across food plots before, and I've, I've seen animals where they, their, their antlers are developing. In other words, they're, they're velvet, and the big, you could see the big bulbs at the end. And uh, at the same time, there, were, there was a deer on that field that had hard antlers, and, and there were deer on that field with drop antlers. And, 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 <laughs> and a, 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 um, something a reference of that is you, you'll see fawns sometimes with spots all different times of the year because it, it, it's not... Uh, it's not the same all the time. The, do, the does do, do not all come into estrus at the same time, and uh, the bucks do not all drop their antlers at the same time. Uh, but anyway, um, concerning the, the timing, um, I, I work the edges, the fields and stuff, and w- again, because I don't want to push them out. Uh, so, so when it's time, when, when the majority of the deer have dropped their antlers, then I, I'll, I'll enter the timber as well. This way I won't push them out by working the fields, but now I'm looking for them in their in antlers in their bedding areas and, and, uh, and a lot of other uh, places. I look in bedding areas, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, the, the best way that I look at it is if I'm a deer and I'm, I'm, I'm out all night, okay, and now sun, the sun is starting to come out. And I, and I catch those first warm rays that are coming from the south and from the east. Well, I'm just going to, I'm on a bed somewhere where I'm nice and comfortable and that sun hits me because it's been cold all night. It's, it's winter. Uh, so two places that I key on, uh, I, I like to, to key on edge. Uh, edge, uh, and edge is, is very dominant here because of the, the agriculture, you know, edge. Um, that is uh, on the on the south and the southeast side of the edge. I look for that quite a bit. I, I slopes, um, the side of hogbacks or or hills or or, or uh, gullies. The the sides where it does two things. It it, it uh, you've got the 
the south facing slope if there's not if it's not heavily timbered you'll get plenty of sun and it's warm and it's comfortable and that's where they bed and that the the back side of that slope is it breaks the wind it's important to for them not to have that north wind on them so it, it serves as two purposes that's when i go into the timber um, when I'm when I'm in the field first, I'm looking at the at the south southeast edges quite a bit. I don't I don't hardly look at the shade side of of stuff very much. Although I I, I will when I'm driving around, but uh, most of the antlers I find will be where where the where the deer finally bedded after a long night, and they want to bed somewhere warm. You know if that makes sense to you guys. So so the the south facing slopes and the south facing edge is is a big deal for me. And, I, and, and, and the other thing to go along with, I think you mentioned something about, um, I think about dry bedding. I'm not, I'm not sure the context of what you said, but dry bedding is really important also because when the snow thaws, everything's wet. And you would think that uh, uh, the oak leaves would be good, but the oak leaves get pretty muddy out, out, out in the timber. I like, I like cedar thickets quite a bit, and maybe that's what you mentioned. Maybe it was cedars. I'm not sure. Cedars, yeah. pines, anything that provides really dry bedding. Um, a lot of people plant the warm season grasses on their properties. When those grasses fall over, they provide really dry bedding as well. Those deer, you know, it's cold, and they, they don't really like to lay in a mud puddle. So, so I, I, I key on those areas. I try to what I try to do is knock out the areas that uh, are the hottest spots first. That's that's where I'm going first. Of course, the hottest areas, um, and it changes with time. Is is the the post season food sources the best post season food sources? Because you know there's food sources that were hot, really hot during hunting season. That uh, at the end of this at the post of the season, they're cold. Maybe that's, that was uh, clover, for example. It, it turns dormant. It, as soon as it freezes, it's dormant, you know. So some of the hotter, hotter food sources, I obviously look for antlers in those food sources and around those food sources. So now I could venture into the timber around those really hot food sources. That's, uh, that's probably my number one um, you know, and I, I know on this particular topic of timing, I, I don't know if you want me to get into some other stuff, but I got some stuff that people don't even think of when when hunting antlers, and I could save it if it's the wrong timing. Well, I, I hate to you. I hate to have a cliffhanger here. Now I'm really intrigued. Yeah, um, go for it. Let's let's hear that now, and then I've got a million other questions now that I'm thinking of as you're touching on some of these things. But let's hear the uh, the not so commonly thought of antler tips. I have found probably more antlers doing this than, especially farms where not too many people mess around the ponds. There's years where where it's not so wet and it, there's not so much snow like there is right now. So so water even in the winter is not very available. And some of the southern regions also it's it's never available. And if you have a year of drought, um, ponds. Uh, there's antlers laying in ponds. If those ponds have never been dry, they've never gone dry, and no one's ever done this, you may have a wealth of antlers in your pond. And what I, what I do is I take a long pole, very long pole, depending on the size of the pond, with a rake head on the end of it, and uh, drag, in other words, I reach as far as I can reach into the pond, and then I drag back towards the shore. And, and when you feel on the end of that rake, you feel it, a little bink, bink, you know you have an antler on the other end, and I, and I drag them out. And, and it's kind of cool because um, 
it, you know, like I, I, I bought, uh, um, I bought a new farm. Let's see, it's, it's been three seasons now. And the first thing I did was drag the ponds, and and I didn't find that many. It, these ponds, some of them dried up, but I, I found 15 antlers by dragging ponds. Wow. Um, and, and the cool thing about it, there's nothing eating those antlers. There's nothing eating them, and the water actually preserves them. They'll they'll be a different color. They'll be a little little shade of an of a brownish. Like a, not a dark brown, but but kind of a medium brown color from being underwater if they've been there for a long time. But the the antler's still perfectly intact. Nothing. They don't. Uh, unlike an antler that's been laying out, you know, like here, and in the south, squirrels eat antlers. Mice eat antlers. They eat them very quickly. In the west, where they don't have so many squirrels, in some cases no squirrels, an antler may lay there for years without being touched but that antler will it'll dry out you know it'll kind of bleach out and 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 when you pick it up it won't weigh anything but the ones that you pull out of the ponds they uh they'll be perfect you know i mean they'll they'll they'll, they still have the same amount of marrow they're solid you know so that that's something that i know a lot of people have has have not done i mean i'm I'm probably the only one crazy (laughs) enough to try it you know you take the cake yeah. for the craziest, most unique shed hunting tip I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, now, now, uh, probably now, when we when we acquire a farm, I won't be able to find antlers because I let it out of the bag. <laughs> yep. You know, because <laughs> you, you guys have so many listeners. They're definitely. Gonna, at least I'll be trying it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention this too as well. <clears throat> um, Agricultural areas that have been tiled, um, and, and you, you know they're, they're like um, they're like little levees across your, you know, to to to, to help your drainage on the fields. And uh, those little levees provide windbreaks and 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 bucks uh, does as well. They'll snug right up to them if if they, in other words, if that that serves as a windbreak uh, on, on a west or northerly wind. So as long as they're still on the south side of that windbreak, uh, it's it's uh, it's a really hot spot as well. Because it's, and the reason I say that, if if I was as dis, if I was disciplined enough and had the time to go up and down each stubble corn row, I would find the same number of I would find more antlers probably. But what I try to do is hit the hottest spots as fast as I can. And uh, so I, if it's an open field, I key on those um, those tiled areas. Uh, that serve as a windbreak. The other thing that's that's, that's hot is uh, our fences. Uh, those internal fences that go through the woods, uh, especially the ones that you see the the top strand is beat down from so many deer that jump it and jump it and jump it and jump it. Uh, that's a that's a prime place for them to drop antlers. I found several over the years uh, at, at at fence crossings as well. <clears throat> yeah, that's I know. Uh... Dallas and I went shed hunting, like I mentioned, together last year, and, and he found one at a fence crossing. Isn't that, am I right, Dallas? I think you did. Yep, right uh, right in that pinch point. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that makes a lot of sense, right? A buck jumps over the uh, jumps over the fence, and his antlers are about to go, and he has that hard impact on the other side. Pop, there they go. So. Yeah, yeah. Probably apply, I mean, Absolutely. it does, does apply to ditches and creeks and different crossings like that, too. Um, I've, I've found that to be the case. So that's awesome. Um are there any any other bizarre shed hunting tips that you've got, Dan? Yeah, you know, no, no, not not too bizarre. I, I've never used, um, you know, a lot of guys talk about these um, these cages uh, that they put. They're 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 they're, they're made to catch antlers um, when when the bucks bend into 
to bend into to, to eat corn or something. They they get them in the, those those fences. Um, forgot what they call them. I, I I'm not sure, but they they I've never used them because I'm a little. It, it bothers me a little bit that they may become tangled to the point where they can't get out. I I, I don't know if they're. In other words, if the antler's not ready to break, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I've never used that, and, I, and you know I don't really have any. I'm thinking about it now, and that, that's probably the the only really bizarre. Uh, the one thing I have done, and um, that that is bizarre, but it has not served. Uh, uh, it has not served me really well. I found one antler doing this is in years when when the creeks are frozen or whatever the water source is, is that's frozen and the snow is gone. In other words, uh, the the pond is still frozen, but there's not a lot of a lot of places to drink anywhere, and there's just not a lot of uh, and there's not an abundance of water. Is uh, I have broken holes into um, into creeks at crossings where it just slows them down, makes them hang around a little longer, makes them go to it. And over the years, I found one or two antlers doing this, but I, I still believe in it. You know, it's just got to be the right conditions. Where where the reason that the conditions are so important is because normally, if your ponds are frozen, there's access to moisture everywhere. But there are some years that uh, the ponds are still frozen and everything else is is kind of drying up. You know, it's it's sunny out, and and when you can bust that pond and as soon as they know, it's just like it's crazy. Like the way the deer are is is, is so neat because you could bust a hole in that in that pond, and in, in three days there's a million tracks there. How they figure it out so fast is amazing, you know. It, uh, but the key is 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 to bust the ice in those places where there is high traffic. Wow, <clears throat> makes sense. Um, makes a lot of sense, really. Now I know. Dallas, I know you had a question related to some different things you can do on your own property, different than you know water sources. But did you have a question for for Dan related to things like that? Yeah, I don't own my own property, so I, yeah, there are fields, but uh, they're not technically food plots. I mean, we I don't they don't keep the corn in or the beans in for the deer. They're they're ag fields. But what I do do is I dump. I spend probably around $300 a year dumping a giant pile of corn um, and kind of spread it out in a particular area, put trail camera over top of it in order to, you know, maybe hold deer in that area. Is that something that you would recommend to somebody? Is that something that uh, that you do yourself, per se, to, to kind of concentrate deer? Yeah, I, ha- I have done that. The one thing that I caution is be <clears throat> make sure that it's it's okay with the state. Like here in Illinois, we we can't we can't dump any corn. We can't even put a mineral block or a salt out there. Nothing that that would um, cause deer to to congregate in an area where they might they might share feces, saliva, fluids, uh, body fluids, or anything else because of the chronic waste disease. So so we can't do it. And so, so, <clears throat> Wisconsin's another state you can't do it, and there may be other states. But um, I, I would I would caution that. But, yeah, any the key is anywhere that those deer, during the period that they're going to drop antlers, spend the greatest amount of time, uh, obviously increases the chances of you finding an antler there. So, you know, Tying into that then, let's say, right, we just talked about Dan's case, he doesn't own the property, so the best he can do is he can put some supplemental feed out or some corn. Uh, Now, what if you do own a property? What would you recommend someone do if they own property or they have access to property that they're allowed to manipulate? From a habitat standpoint, what would you do to make the best possible property for shed hunting? Yeah, uh, late season crops. Um, You know, um, if, if you... If you still, in other words, if you plant enough 
turnips, uh, radishes, those, they, they, when they, after the first, second freeze, they turn into a sugary syrup, and they'll last straight into the, uh, the winter, you know. They're still very relevant right now. Uh, so, so that would be a great food source. Winter wheat and winter rye are both excellent for, for the late season. Um, those, those deer, in fact, I have a, a, winter, um, a winter wheat and rye field that's, that's under the snow. And I visited that field the other day to, to pull some, some, some uh, SD cards for my cameras. And uh, <clears throat> they, they just about pawed 50% of that field out to get to the winter wheat and winter rye. Uh, so, so my, my, when we go to the shed rally, what I'm going to do is put some people on those food sources and around those food sources because what will happen is those animals will bed as closely to that food source as possible. They're burning up a lot of, uh, a lot of calories trying to look for food, so as soon as they, they find food, they're going to bed right on top of it. You know, Late-season beans, if you've got beans that you left standing, if you're, if you're fortunate enough that you could plant Depends a, a lot, of course, on the, on, the, on the deer population. Like here, um, I don't have an excess of deer, but it's a lot. I've got, like, uh, my area, probably 60, 70 deer per square mile, which is, is pretty much. And uh, where I used to be in an area that was over 100 deer per square mile. So what I'm getting at, in some places you could get away with five acres of beans. In some places you, you may need to have 50 acres of beans, you know. But if you're, you're fortunate enough to have standing beans... Um, right now in February and, and March, uh, holy cow! You you will have every deer in the county in there till the, the beans are gone. It's it's and that's where the antlers will be because they'll they will literally eat the beans and then lay in the beans and then they'll get up and they'll eat the beans and they'll lay in the beans. They they won't they won't venture too far. Yeah, I uh, we've got a standing bean field on a neighboring property near one of my places in Ohio that I'm really excited to shed hunt around because, like you said, that really pulls them in. Now, oh yeah, guys, hey guys, if you, if you don't mind me chiming in on the inverse of of Dan's point there, yeah, uh, I I was turkey hunting last year in Florida on probably around March 18th, and uh, I, I was I was in your stereotypical Florida planted pines area. I walked an old planted pine logging road. I ended up uh, killing a turkey in a in about a one acre uh, food plot that was probably the 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 first food plot on the entire property to green up in the spring, and uh, and found three shed antlers within sight of of the turkey when I when I when I ended up harvesting them in the food plot. So in the south, the inverse may be be true is is. Uh, is where you would you would want to plant food sources that uh, in the Midwest that that are um, prime in winter and once everything gets cold in the South you may find more sheds around your first fields to green up in the spring. That's so great. I just wanted to make that point. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely, really interesting. Yeah. I've uh, I've found one shed while turkey hunting too. That seems to be a time that lots. If you're not actually out there looking for sheds, that does seem to be a good time to accidentally find them. Um, you know, as they're not quite chewed up by that point sometimes too. For a guy, for a guy that doesn't own property again and can't plant food plots, we, you've touched on some of the different types of ag that are, you know, high, highly productive shed hunting spots. But other than crop fields, is there any natural food sources uh, that you guys have seen to be, you know, good spots to check for for sheds? Yeah, it depends on where where you are. You know, I mean, uh, we have had years where we we have an abundance of acorns, and and uh, and that's a that's great if you could get out there in the mokes and and because uh, that's that's where the deer would be. But the deer, you know, what, what's 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 kind of cool. If you're the guy with the food, 
is that uh, if there is food in the area, and that area could be that area could be four miles in the winter, um, you may lose your deer. On, in other words, if you're leasing a piece of property, you're, you, you only have access to this one piece of property, and, and two miles down the road, a guy left, someone left standing corn, or someone has a winter wheat, a winter wheat field, uh, they'll, you may lose that population during that period. In other words, they'll suck it right off your property. And I give you an example of that that was, was pretty neat. Is uh, I had a farm on Dutch Creek, and I really didn't have that that year. I didn't have any late season food. I didn't have anything to carry them into the winter. Uh, but um, I don't know. I think probably four miles down the road off of Highway 96, this guy left man a bunch of corn standing, and um, I don't. Yeah, part of it was standing, and part of it he bush hogged. So there was an abundance of corn on the ground. And there's abundance of corn standing. And people would slow down and just about stop because there were so many deer in that field. So I remember four nights in a row I went down there to, to glass the deer in that field because it, there were so many deer that they could not have come from the immediate, immediate area. And I had there was, there was two deer, uh, two bucks. This was, in, um, this was about the third week of February. Two bucks that were from my property that live on me. Uh, four miles away, in there eating corn. So, so they they literally pulled everything out of off of everybody by leaving that standing corn. I don't know why they left it. Maybe it was some insurance deal. I don't know. But uh, that's something that um, that you face if you don't have food. If you don't have a food source, um, you, you may lose those deer during the late season, during the postseason. I'll tell you uh, something that that I learned from Dan when I when I uh, started at Whitetail Properties uh, was was we see so many deer next to the highways uh, at the end of at, at this time of year and uh, and uh, it's fascinating for for to learn from a guy like Dan who's lived out here in the Pike County Big Buck area of Illinois for for twenty twenty five years is is those deer the 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 first thing they're going to eat once crops are harvested are the most secluded fields. They're going to stay as secluded as possible, and then when their bellies drive them towards the roads because that's all the food that's left, uh, that's when you're going to start seeing deers this time of year when there's the least amount of food possible. They have to come out and feed in those bigger crop fields that might be right next to a highway or inter an interstate, and so naturally that's where deer are spending a lot of time this time of year. You may not have to find secluded fields to find shed antlers. It may be the field that's right off the highway. That's an interesting point. Makes sense, though. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, so now that we've talked about where to find these antlers, Dan, is there is there any tips to finding the antlers that you'd like to maybe go over with us? Yeah, I, I guess I tell you what what's what's what works for me when I uh, one of my main pieces of equipment when I, that I have with me is a a good pair of binoculars. Otherwise, you spend fifty percent of your time walking up to, to branches and twigs that are, are in the ground poking up looking like or corn stalks that look like antlers. So that will save you a lot of time with the, with the binals. I tell you, for, for I think for every 10 that I think is an antler, one of them is maybe an antler. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of stuff that looks like antlers, and binals will help you a lot. But what, here's another something that, that works for me. Maybe it's my eyes, uh, and it may not work for the next person. But I take a pair of shooting glasses. You know those amber shooting glasses? Um, I take a pair of amber shooting glasses when I'm walking around, whether it's cloudy or even bright. 
the antlers just pop a lot more for me. I could see them so much be- better with those um, a pair of shooting glasses. Um, that that those are two tips that that I would. And of course, uh, I take a lot of people take a backpack, and in the backpack, I stock it with a lot of stuff, including food, first aid, toiletries, all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. to to uh, to last the day. And there's usually not enough room in that pack for my antlers, so I take um. I take about 10 feet of, um, yeah, it's about 10, 15 feet of rope, um, wad it up, put it in my pack, and as the day goes on uh, and my pack is full of antlers, I will tie those antlers. I, I tie an antler, and then I, I, I go a few inches and tie the next antler, go a few inches, tie the next antler, and pretty soon I, I'm wearing antlers all over me, but I'm able to carry them and keep going, you know? That's that's a great, a great idea. I, I hope I have the issue of finding enough antlers that I need to tie them to my backpack this year. If I do, I'll be prepared. Yeah, or, or you could just, you know, find one and make a necklace out of it. <laughs> that might be more likely for the way my shed's shedding plans have gone recently. Um, so you mentioned, binocular, you mentioned binoculars, a backpack, um, rope. Any other gear or items that you would say that a shed hunter should bring with them? Yeah, no, I, I nothing comes to mind other than the man, those amber ga- glasses. They... they uh, that shade of amber makes them pop. That's just that's just me, maybe. But uh, that's that's all that, that comes to mind. I'm probably forgetting stuff, but that's uh, those are the essentials to me. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the glasses idea. I've tried sunglasses, just regular sunglasses, like polarized yeah. glasses, and I feel like that helps me a little bit too. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. Something you 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 touched on briefly, but I'll just emphasize it again. Make sure you bring extra toilet paper just in case, everyone, because you don't want a shed hunting plan or shed hunting trip shortened because of nature calling so or, or walk out of the timber with just one sleeve on your t-shirt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never you there never you want go. to have shed rally end that way <laughs> <laughs> um so speaking of something that we're, we've kind of mentioned here briefly um the conditions right now in many states are still snowy um where i'm supposed to be going this weekend they're predicting possibly seven to twelve inches of snow tonight um ho- hopefully that doesn't happen um but do you have any advice for, hey, if you're out there, there is still snow, maybe it's two inches, five inches, um, any advice for someone who wants to get out shed hunting but there's still snow? Go home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, um, I don't – if I can't see at least grass, you know, just the, the, the stubble brown grass, I don't go. It's just too difficult. I get, um, I get white out. You know, like if you look at that snow long enough – and then you look away, all you see is white dots, you know. It's it's tough for me to find them in, in the snow. It's it's uh, So I don't know that I have advice. And I, I, I'm, I would put off that trip if there's three inches on the ground, um, just because I want to be as productive as possible when I comb that area. Yeah, it definitely does make things a lot more difficult. Um, oh, man. It's, it's brutal. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the antlers I find, I find, I find from 100 yards away. You know, but and you lose that when you when there's snow on the ground. If uh, I spend as much time glassing as I do walking. Yeah, for for whatever it's worth, for the guy or girl, if you know, let's say your only time you can go shed hunting is this weekend or whenever it would be, and you do have snow, but you still want to get out there, I would say there is a little bit of a silver lining. Um, and you know, if it's the only your time, go out there and give it your best. And two things that seem to help me is that when there is snow, right, you can very very clearly see where the deer have been traveling where they've been bedding and where they've been eating. So like it's, it's obvious you see a bed 
in the snow, obviously that's where a deer has been bedded. So it is a little bit easier to go right to a bed. And so what I'll do if I'm stuck out there in the snow, I'll just check the the beds, like literally go to each individual bed and check every one of those. And lots of times that's melted down. And so if there is by chance, you know, a shed there and that's melted down the bed, you've got a chance to find those. Um, and then lots of times, you know, on a property where there's, you know, six or seven or eight, eight inches of snow, those deer will follow all the deer in that area will follow a single trail to make it easier for them to go back and forth between spots. And so I have found, you know, these highways essentially that every deer has taken. Sometimes you can find an antler on those that you can still see because the trail's beaten down so far that the antler's lying right there down the trail. Um, that's, so, that's good stuff, Mark. Yeah. I, I'll mention this: is is if if that's the case, and there's there's three inches, four inches, whatever it is of snow, where there is not snow, there's not snow there because of two reasons. Of course, like you mentioned, trails or beds, or because it receives a good dose of sun uh, throughout the day. And if that's the case, then you'll find those south facing slopes very quickly you know um they won't be blocked by by trees you'll you'll find the the best places very quickly so that that would be you'll you'll miss a lot of stuff no question but if like you say if that's the only time you could go it may save you a lot of time and you still would find a, a a fair amount of antlers yeah and another thing i just thought of is you know uh, it will help. It will help you in future years, right? If you can identify those areas that, like you said, are getting the warmest and melting out the fastest, or those yes. again beds or bedding areas, feeding areas. Once you notice those spots now in the sun or in the snow, in future years or later in the year when you get that snow melted out, now you know exactly where to head back to um, and check those hot spots first, like you mentioned. Absolutely. You know, that's one reason. That's another thing. Just to to your point, that I love about shed hunting is while I'm shed hunting. I almost spend as much time looking up at trees about where I'm going to put a tree stand this next year and looking at, at apparent funnel situations that I didn't quite see during the season, you know. There's a lot of things you learn as you go through the woods, and, and that's one of them. Like, like, like you say, you learn a lot about where the deer probably do spend the greatest amount of time during the day. So we've talked, now we've talked about, you know, where we look um how to find them now the next question is what alterations maybe i know you talked a little bit about hinge cutting but what what improvements can we can we make to the property to hold the deer there while they're dropping their antlers yeah that's cool that you just bounced back to hinge cutting because we just did a lot of hinge cutting this this past week uh and and two things that i that i've done uh to hold deer well one one was to kill deer, and one was to hold deer. And uh, we, we basically built uh, a giant bedding area uh, by hinging trees over each other, and kind of like a carport, like, like a, a garage without the sides. These deer are able to get in, out of the weather and uh, get up underneath all these trees. And what happens is when you hinge cut, of course, is, is that uh, those trees that normally block the sunlight uh, – because they're up in the air, now they're hinged to the ground. So there's more there's more sunlight on the uh, the actual forest floor. So that second story of brush comes up. That second story of of um, 
briars and vines and everything. It's just thick and nasty, but optimum, optimum bedding. So uh, when you increase the amount of, uh, of, of land surface that, that, that provides for holding deer, you, you can hold, obviously, more deer. Um, so, so hinge cutting is awesome for the bedding areas, but it's also great. Um, there, there's, a, there's a place that I called the mouse trap this last season, and, and I hinge cut behind my stand from the back of my, my tree all the way to the bluff. Uh, in other words, so that they, they'd have to fly to get around behind me because the bluff drops 100 feet. And, and so what I learned during the season was that I didn't do as good a job as I thought. There was, there was a few holes that they were still able to get through. The majority of the deer passed in front of me, but there were still a few places behind me that they, they went through. So, so I hinged a few more trees and, and stuffed some of the holes with uh, some trees that I cut from somewhere else, you know, so um, I tightened up those spots, but um, I think the biggest thing to, to, to hold deer is simply provide more bedding, create more, uh, also feathering, you know, when you feather the edges, um, what's cool is, is I drop those trees back into the timber, and it creates more, um, more sunlight, allows more sunlight, uh, so that those blackberries grow up, and those, those, those raspberry vines grow up, and it's just a tangled mess of growth, but it provides optimum habitat for holding deer. Um, so, you, you know, the park-like look is great, and, and, and to be honest with you, we sell a lot of land that, that people, they just love the way it looks like a park because it's wide open and you see the big trees and all. Uh, there's got to be a certain amount of, um, a certain amount of uh, an audience uh, of, of, of pretty sometimes, but the most, uh, the best habitat for holding the deer sometimes is the uh, is the nastiest. You know, the vines and the and the and the, the treetops laying down on top of one another, and you know that that's uh, all really good stuff. You know, that's another thing I, I I did not mention is is if you're walking through the woods, um, and you and there is a tree that's laying down. Uh, that's a good place to look is around that tree that's laying down because it's a natural place for the deer to snug up on a cold day underneath all the limbs that are naturally laying there. Um, but, yes, that's, to me that's the best thing you could do this time of year because that and frost seed, I frost seed my food plots, and that's a, that's a great thing to do this time of year, and hinge cut. Those are, to me, the two best things you could do on your property to ensure that you, you, you hold the greatest number of deer. So you you talked about you know feathering um, some of your edges, which for people who aren't familiar, that's you know creating essentially a transition cover from like a field towards your timber, and like you mentioned, it gets thick and nasty. And yes. I found the same thing to be the case, right? Where lots of times where you're looking for those sheds are in those bedding areas that are nasty with vines and thorns and everything like that. And it made me think about all the times I get just tore up with prickers. I'm always just absolutely carved up after shed hunting. And because of that, I wear specific clothing items when I go shed hunting to try to protect against that. And it made me wonder, is there anything special that you wear, Dan, when you go out shed hunting? Do you have like a a well-thought-through system for what to wear when you go out looking for antlers? I don't, Mark. I I, I know what the best thing to wear, and that's uh, that's the – Oh, what do you call that material? Like the the upland game bird hunters use, um, yeah, like the canvas. That, that, that like like it's kind of like a canvas, almost like a like a, a polyester canvas that the the cockerbirds and the the hitchhikers and all that stuff doesn't stick to. That would be smart. And and but I I do wear my Carhartts. I wear my Carhartt jacket and Carhartt pants, and those vines do not tear me up. Some things stick to it, 
but uh, they don't they don't tear my in other words I could just rip through it and not worry about a, a, a thorn penetrating my clothing. Carhartt makes some tough stuff, and, and of course if I'm going through that stuff, I'm I'm wearing gloves. I always have either gloves on or in my pocket. I, I take them on and off as a, as the day progresses. Same thing like like if I'm walking a lot um, this weekend, it's going to probably be a little bit cold. I, I walk enough, I get hot. That means my my sweater hat comes off. It goes in my pocket. I walk some more. I put it back on. Same with my gloves. They're always coming off and on. But when I go through I go through those viney areas that a lot of stuff will tear you up. I have the gloves on for sure. Yeah, that's smart. I've gone on way too many shedding trips without gloves and just ended up looking like uh, been scratched by a oh, cat man. all up and down my hands. Oh uh, yeah, I could tell you stories, man. I, I've had my ear almost ripped off by a like a, you know, you, you go pushing through and also one of them hooked uh, 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 vines with a hooked type of a thorn grabs the inside of your ear and jerks you in a circle. You know, that's no fun. And, uh, <laughs> no. You know that's another that's another good reason to wear some kind of glasses whether it be the ones you wear or sunglasses or something because I've had a couple times where I almost got popped in the eyeball with a thorn oh, yeah. with a branch coming back. That's another good yeah. reason to wear some kind of eyewear. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned you wear the Carhartts, and that's something I found works really well too for me. That I wear some Carhartt pants out there and that helps a lot. And Dan or Dallas, sorry. Um you wear was Arborwear pants, is that right? Yeah, I wear a, um, a brand of pants called Arborwear. It's actually made for um, arborists, you know, climbing in the trees. Oh, yeah. Really heavy, really heavy duty material. That yeah, I would say it's similar to a Carhartt type of pants, but it's uh, it's designed to get beat up. So yeah, I oh think, yeah, I think that's smart. I've I've made the mistake of sometimes forgetting that and just wearing regular thin jeans, and I'll just get again lots and lots of thorns carved up on my thighs and everything and that's that can take your excitement out of a day shed hunting really quickly so yeah so i've got we've got just a couple really quick sort of random questions and then we'll let you guys go because i I appreciate the time and we're coming up here on uh, on that time limit so if you could pick anywhere to hunt regardless of property regardless of where you own property if there was one state that you would choose to spend your time shed hunting um dan where would that be? Well, you know, that's a that's a two sided question. I mean, it, where if I, where I wanted to find, where I thought I'd find the most sheds, would probably be Kansas. Um, the reason I say that is they do have a, a very good population of deer, and they do not have the rodents that eat the antlers so quickly. An antler could lay out there for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You know what I mean? So so. In that regard, I would say Kansas. Um, but me, like, I mean, uh, that's a general, a general answer. Kansas, um, a good property in Kansas, you probably find more antlers than about anywhere else. But if um, if you know the property, like I do in my property, uh, if you have a place like that, um, it probably doesn't matter much where it is. Like for me, obviously, it'd be Illinois because I, I I have a really good idea of what's there, and and it would mean the most to me. Uh, to your point earlier, that uh, the antlers I I find will mean a lot to me. One, I could I could journal and I could monitor the uh, uh, an animal on my property. All, all the animals that live on my property, I want to know who they are and what they what they do year in year out. And 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 also, it'll let me know those that survived. Uh, especially if I'm hunting a big one. And so I would say Illinois for me. 
Okay. Awesome. That was that was that was a long answer to to what should have been a, a short answer. <laughs> no, we like long we like long winded answers. It keeps things interesting. Much better than the guy that says Kansas. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> so we love it. Um, how about you, Dallas? Do you have a final question for Michael or Dan before we wrap things up? Well, I think I'll direct my uh, my question to Michael in, in regards to the shed rally. Um, and I know it, it's uh, it's the creation of it is kind of you know getting more people involved with the outdoors. Would you have? I have a I have a daughter, and she she's right now she's two, um, and she may be a little bit young to take on these uh you know some of these shed rally events for for a, like a, a longer day what would you want to share with somebody who is trying to get their their kid is there is there anything that like a, a parent or, or somebody should do to maybe sh- show some interest in that well, you might you might be asking the wrong guy in that regard just because I am not a parent yet I hope to be one day um, but I can tell you that uh that one of the, you know, we, we had several photos, uh, you know, the beauty of Shed Rally is we got to see everything last year. We kind of got to see who, 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 who are the Shed Rallyers, like who are the, who are the people that are going to do this? And so the hashtag lets us see everything. And there were, there were a bunch of photos uploaded last year of parents with little kids that wore the, the you, you guys would have to tell me if they have an official name, but they're the, the, the harnesses that carry babies. You either wear them on your chest or you wear them on your back. And and I can tell you from my perspective, uh, you know, to me a shed hunt is a great way to just get out and walk and get out and and it's the time of year when you've kind of been been caged up all winter if you're like us in the Midwest where you know we've we've been through three or four months of pretty hard winter. It's a great time to get outside, walk, and hopefully it's going to be warm enough uh, on Saturday during the shed rally to get out and take a walk and. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, I don't know, when I, when I was a kid, you could have given me a stick and a tree and I could have just beat that, that tree with a stick, you know? So it didn't take much to entertain me in the woods. I just needed this something to hit with a stick. So now you've given me this big, basically Easter egg hunt, but for antlers. Well, you could keep me entertained all day. If I'm a little kid by telling me to look for an antler, just show me where to go. I'm ready. Uh, you know, now it's, it's better than beating a, a tree with a stick. So I think kids uh, more so than, than anything else can stay entertained when they're in the woods, maybe than, than anything you, you put them in a room with a video game. It's going to get old. You put them in a room with TV. It's going to get old. They're going to be, you know, trying to climb the walls. Take a kid to the woods, and you can you can literally entertain him all day. And then, you know, when you're when you're a guy like Dan shoes, he's got a whole family out there going with grandkids and kids and friends. And I mean, that's an adventure to a kid. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's 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 something they don't get to do every day. So, I personally think Shed Rally is is the perfect gateway to people that are that are looking to to ease someone into the outdoor lifestyle and not putting the pressure on them of pulling the trigger or being quiet or controlling your scent or any of those things that us diehard guys do every time we go hunting. You're saying, come on out, let's have a good time. Let's walk around the woods, make all the noise you want. We're going to have a contest. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to high five and just, you know, keep it casual, keep it, keep it lighthearted. And, and the cool thing about shed rally is everybody else is doing it at the same time too. So. Yeah, I I love that. I think that's one of the 
absolute best things about shed hunting. And it's funny that you mentioned the whole, you know, just standing in the woods and banging a stick on the tree. Cause I think that's still what Dallas does 90% of the time he's out there. So. <laughs> that's why I don't see any deer. I do it during Oh the man. Too. Yeah, oh. That might explain like you why. Could, you could give me a stick and keep me busy all day when I was six. So, I mean, think about now you're telling me to go look for antlers. Well, I'm, I'm going to be a hound dog, you know? Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll add to that. Just one thing you might do, depending on the child's age, if they're really young, make sure you take a few antlers with you to ensure that they find something, you know? Um, so so they go home happy, and, and and it's rewarding, and it's a big deal, and you talk about it. Hey, do you know you know, my, my, my daughter, my grandchild, whoever it is, just found this antler, and they just beam, you know? They can't wait till the next time they go out, whereas if they... Not everyone's like Turb, you know. I mean, Turb, Turb is literally, he's a determined guy, and he's going to go, and he's going to do it. But some kids, if they get bored, they may not want to go the next time. Um, so and I always I take a – I was going to say another thing I, I've noticed that Dan and the guys do is it, it's their teaching time for the for the kids as well. You may not want to go walk your, your best bedding area or your your, your uh, the, 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 the most uh, incredible rub line that you have on your property in October once the bucks have started laying down all that sign, those scrapes and those rubs. Well, shed rally is the perfect time of year when you're, you're not worried as much about intrusion and disturbing things where you can go show a kid a scrape line or a rub line or explain to them yeah. a bedding area and a food source and all that stuff. So this is the time if you're ever going to be invasive on your property to, to, to teach and mentor those those kids. Yeah, yeah, so, that's that's good stuff, Turb. Um, I said, Turb, Michael. I'm sorry. Somebody might, <laughs> might think I'm saying what you said before, but you you know, uh, I was gonna I was gonna mention this to you. I had I've had two shed dogs. One of them was hit by an automobile. The other one was poisoned. I don't think they they purposely poisoned him, but maybe they were poisoning coons or something. Anyway, he died. But but I remember when he was just a pup during the during the training. You could not hide a shed from them. I mean, it just didn't matter where you put it, but uh, they're a lot like a little kid the first time you take them out. Like the first time that I, I took, the dog's name was White Oak, and he was just one year old, and I took him out for the first time. Uh, he he was more interested in eating coon droppings and chasing butterflies. He was so excited to be out in the real world, you know. And uh, so I, I took I took a few antlers and and, uh, and rewarded him just like I did during training, and he was all fired up about it. And then the next time I took him out, um, he was um, the next time I took him out was the next season. He was two years old and he was really really good. Uh, I mean, he could find it. You couldn't hide a, an antler from him. There's just if it was downwind of him, he could find it. But at the same time, there's all kinds of other scents going on, and he's been kind of sheltered, and, and, he, and he hasn't smelled all this stuff before. He hasn't smelled deer. He hasn't smelled coons. Hasn't smelled anything. So he's out chasing and playing, and uh, and I, and I got kind of frustrated, and I said uh, I said White Oak, load up, and so I'm heading towards the truck, and I'm. I'm little bit I'm a little bit aggravated and a little frustrated and I'm walking towards the truck and all of a sudden it wars me in the calf muscle and I looked down and White Oak shoved an antler into my calf that he picked up, just just grabbed it while we were heading back to the truck. So I patted him, rewarded him, I always gave him something to eat and we his command was, was uh he he'd play and everything, you know, and it was hunt hunt him up. When I say hunt him up White Oak was business, you know, and and, uh, and after after that, uh, I threatened to take him back home. He was just all business after that. It's, it's kind of <laughs> cool. And, and I just touch on this really quick because I know we're widening it up. But if you have a shed dog, the the, the important thing to do is be patient because this is what I experienced with White Oak. The first year I had White Oak, I was better than White Oak. I, I could find more antlers than White Oak. The second year I had White Oak, 
White Oak and I were about the same. The third year, when White Oak was three years old, now all of a sudden he understands. He's putting two to two, two and two together, and he understands this is what I want. This is what makes me happy. This is what gets him rewards. And uh, I, his ability as far as finding antlers uh, was so good. It's like I wasn't even on the face of the earth. He was so, so much better. He'd run downwind of a, of a stubble cornfield and uh, with his nose up in the air. And if there was, a, there was a drop shed that was, I don't know, maybe within two weeks old, he could, fi- he could smell the wax around the base of that, that shed from about 60 yards. He'd turn around on a dime. He'd run across the stubble cornfield, pick it up, and run back to me. And, and that is, that's amazing. But you've got to be patient with him. So I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, that, that's awesome. We, um, for anyone listening today that didn't catch last week's episode, um, last week, episode 45, we had Jeremy Moore, who is a shed dog trainer. And so we talked all about uh, that very topic and got lots of, uh, lots of great information. So be sure to check that one out too. Um, but I think this is a perfect place for us to wrap things up. This has been awesome. And I was already excited about shed hunting this weekend, but now I'm even more excited. So if anyone out there listening right now, if they want to learn more about Whitetail Properties or the Shed Rally, Michael, where would you recommend they go? So I think uh, kind of with, with the, the weekend upon us of Shed Rally, the, the best uh, place you can find more information out about Whitetail Properties or Shed Rally would be on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And uh, you can look for us on Facebook at facebook.com slash whitetailproperties. Perfect. We will make sure to include uh, those links in the show notes for this episode. And um, I know uh, I'm going to be out there hitting the woods here soon, and Dallas will be. And I hope uh, both you, Michael and Dan, have some luck this weekend too. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good luck to you guys as well, and thank you for having us. Absolutely. All right, guys, thanks. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. See you guys. Bye-bye. Wow, that was uh, that was pretty awesome, don't you think, Dallas? I agree. It did, that uh, conversation definitely got me pumped up about this weekend, either uh, fighting the snow and doing some shed hunting or, or waiting two weeks and potentially uh, finding some chewed antlers. But nonetheless, man, just getting outside and walking for sheds is fun. Yeah, it's going to be uh, gosh, I really, really, really hope this snowstorm that we're supposed to have doesn't happen because I'm I'm chomping at the bit right now. So, right, right. Well, uh. We'll definitely be, I will definitely be posting updates on the Wired to Hunt Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter um, this weekend on Saturday for the Shed Rally. Hopefully I'll be out there looking for some bone, and uh, I'm sure you will be too, Dan or Dallas, over at uh, the Nine Finger Chronicles. And and speaking of, I think you had an announcement you wanted to make um, about the Nine Finger Chronicles. Is that right? Right, right. Um, Well, March marks the one-year anniversary of the Nine Finger Chronicles. So to kind of celebrate... um, to all the podcast listeners and to the followers of the Nine Finger Chronicles, uh, we're going to be doing uh, some ge- some gear giveaway. I know that uh, you're going to be donating some hats, and uh, I'm going to be talking with some other companies about uh, about uh, donating some products to get a w- giveaway. So just make sure you go and visit um, the NineFingerChronicles.com for the latest blog. It's either going to be posted um, tomorrow or it's going to be posted on uh, Friday. and uh, Or actually, when this releases, it's going to be uh, Thursday. So it's going to be Thursday or Friday of this week. And um, there's going to be instructions there on uh, what you need to do in order to uh, get entered into this uh, giveaway. And um, just another reason for free gear, man. Love it. Gotta love, uh, gotta love a little free gear. So I will make sure to uh, to post that in the show notes as well. Sounds good. 
Awesome. Well, I'd say that is going to do it for us today on the podcast. And for show notes from this episode with all the links from today's show, please visit wiredtohunt.com slash episode 46. And while you're there, be sure to explore the new Wired to Hunt, which is looking much improved in my opinion. I hope you like it. Also, as we always ask, if you've enjoyed the show, please take a hot second to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It means a lot to us. We'd also like to thank our partners whose support has helped keep Wired to Hunt chugging along. So big thank you to Sitka Gear, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Karma Express Arrows, Huntsoft, Lacrosse Boots, Big and J Long Ridge Attractants, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And finally, thank you all for joining us today. If you're heading out soon to go shed hunting, I wish you good luck. Stay safe, and don't forget the TP. And of course, stay wired to hunt.